Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Be Dadly podcast, where we discuss all things dadly. From being an entrepreneur while caring for toddlers, to raising screenagers and talking the birds and the bees. We're here to help you traverse the vast and dynamic landscape of fatherhood. Enjoy practical advice, lots of puns, and even a few heart-touching moments. And the dad jokes are pretty good, too. And now your host, Brandon Jones. All right, and welcome back to the show. I am Brandon. I am your host, and I am greeted and blessed today to be with Larry Hagner. Uh, Larry's from the Dad Edge podcast. Certainly check it out. Also check out his Instagram for tons of inspiration. If you want to see lots of uh, adorable pictures of him working out with his children and also getting some really cool ideas for things that you can do to upgrade your uh, relationship with your kids or with your wife, um, he is definitely a fantastic resource and I highly recommend him. So without further ado, uh, Larry, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Oh, Brandon, what's going on, man? Good to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me on, dude. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, like, how did you get into serving dads? Like, how did this happen? Man, it was about, I guess, 11 years ago, you know, woke up on a Sunday morning, the sun was shining bright, you know, got up out of bed, you know, looked outside and had this epiphany that I knew everything that there was to know about being a good father and a good husband. I just felt compelled to share it with the world, man. That's not how it happened at all. <laughs> uh, it was the dude, it was the total opposite of that. My, I, this was a, this was struggle, absolute struggle. It was probably one of the darkest times of my whole life that I literally stepped forward into doing this. And when I say doing this, like I would have never have guessed in a million years that dad edge is doing what it's doing today. Like, because I was the guy who was probably the least amount equipped to do this type of work. If you looked at my life on paper. Um, but yeah, man, I mean like, so 2011, I was, um, I was your tip, you know, typical guy. My, I was married at the time for eight years. I uh, had a, a six-year-old at the time and a four-year-old. And I was, I was your typical guy that was just, I got all my attaboys at work. You know, I was good at my job. I was in medical device sales at the time, got all my validation and attaboys and I was good at it. And so I I poured a lot of my time into that and I wasn't the most patient father. I didn't beat my kids. I didn't call them names or anything like that, but I definitely wasn't showing up the way that I truly, truly wanted to and into my potential. And just to kind of segue, I, my background, you know, I came from this pretty crazy childhood and I'm happy to go into it in detail. 
but I'll tell you, uh, from my childhood, how I was raised and the things that I experienced, you know, being raised with a heavy hand, lots of toxic men that can't constantly came in and out of my life, my mom's life. So when I became a father for the first time, man, I wanted to do this so well. Like I literally, I dated my wife for seven years before, um, we got married. And the reason for that is because to be quite honest, I was terrified to get married. My mom was married three times, was always in and out of relationships. So I was, I didn't want, I always wanted to be married once and dad edge slash good dad project. That's what it was originally was birthed because I'll never forget this. It was uh, it was a really bad day that I had at work, lost a huge customer that was going to impact my income for our family uh, for probably the next six to eight months. It was a massive blow. Um, you know, my wife and I had a good relationship, but it wasn't elevated to the point it is now. So we were just, I wouldn't say we were surviving or anything like that, but we definitely just didn't have the connection that we do now not even close. And I wanted it to be that way. And I just didn't know what to do. And my son, who's 14 now, and he was four at the time, we were packing up and decluttering our house because we were moving. And I hate moving. Like literally, like I, I despise, loathe moving, like just packing up stuff and boxes and decluttering and selling and moving. It's just, I, it's a nightmare. It's such a stress to me. Totally. And we were packing up our home and I was packing up my son's playroom or my boy's playroom. And I had spent like three hours packing up all their stuff. My four-year-old comes in and I told, I, yeah, I was already in a bad mood. I was already, in, I was in my head and and I looked at him and I said, Hey, I'm going to take a break. I was like, but I packed up all, all your, a lot of your toys. I was like, the toys that are out, please play with those. Don't get anything out of the boxes. And, and I was like, I'm going to take a break. I'll be back. And I came back and what do you think a four-year-old's going to do? And I don't even <laughs> think, I don't even think I, I mean, you know, I, now I have four boys and my, my view of it is, is why would I expect them not to pull everything right. out? Right. And he did. And I got so angry because I'm like, God bless. I spent all night and I lost this huge customer and it's like all these frustrations. And I spanked him. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I ever laid my hands on my kids like that. And I mm-hmm. spanked him. And I, unfortunately I spanked him so hard he hit the ground. And I was like, Oh my God, like, what did I just do? And I saw that it, it was almost like it happened in like slow motion, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw him fall and I'm like, Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. What did I just do? And I went to pick him up and this is what kills me, man. I went to pick him up mm-hmm. and he like shuddered like looked at me like I was a monster and I'm like, Oh my God. Like what? And in that moment, man, I, I didn't see my son. I saw me, you know, and how I grew up. I was, I was always terrified of being at home and you, everything was so unpredictable. And, you know, I was raised with this crazy heavy hand. And, and then when I saw that, I was like, that was a line in the sand for me, man. And I, I remember going into my office that night, I was emotional I was upset. I had tears in my eyes. I was like, what, what, what am I doing? I was like, I have no idea how to do this. And you know, what do we do as adults when you have a bad moment, but you go and you get on social media. It's like, Oh, let me just go look at everybody else's life. And I don't want to think about my own. And so <laughs> I literally, I saw this button in the left-hand corner of Facebook and I said, create a page. And I was like, and I clicked it. And it's cool that you're a faith-based person because I, I really do think you're looking back on it, that there was some divine intervention. I've always been a believer. My faith wasn't nearly as strong back then, but I really think God had a hand in that. And I just, I don't know what it was, man. I just clicked that button. And then this thing came up and said, what do you want to name your page? And literally like 
without even really thinking the good dad project just rolled off my heart onto that keyboard. And for me, I would, some people know this, some people don't, but the good dad project, it was me. Like I was the project right, and I literally right. I ne- never did it for a following. I never, I only, I was like, I'm going to create this page because I'm going to learn. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm sick and tired of not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And I started just reflecting on certain areas of my life, you know, like, so at the time I was really into martial arts. I loved it. Had this bucket list to be a black belt in the art that I was, you know, I was in. I was really good at my job. And I just kind of looked at those things. I was like, you know, why am I somewhat decent in my job? Like, why do I make quota? Like, why am I good with people? Why am I decent at martial arts? And I was like, well, I'm always open to learning and I'm going to conferences. I'm reading books. I'm doing this and martial arts. I'm, I mean, I'm going to class every three times a week. I'm learning and practicing, learning, practicing, learning. And I'm like, what do I do about marriage? What do I do about parenting? And it was nothing funny. Yeah. Crazy. It was. And to be honest, um, it was the first time my whole life. I was like, in a very human way, I was like, well, no wonder. Right, 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 right. right. We haven't applied ourselves yet to this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you think sometimes it's supposed to be intuitive. Right. And there is so much of it that's counterintuitive actually, which is. Oh, very much. Yeah. So it was in that moment. I was like, you know, here's what I'm going to do. When it, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting and just mindset, I'm just going to learn something new every day if I can. And I'll just post it here. And I, I've just created that page mm. just for my own record, like being able to, you know, have everything in one spot. And I got some followers, never promoted the page, but I had some followers. And I'll never forget this. It was probably a year or so of me doing it. I got a, a DM from a woman and she's like, Hey, um, I'm following your page. I'm local. Uh, give me a call. I have an opportunity for you. And I'm like, okay. So I called her and she's like, Hey, she's like, um, I'm a, I'm a part of a mom's group of one of the biggest churches here in the, in the local area, me and a bunch of other moms, we follow your page. We love it. We want you to come in and speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, speak about <laughs> what? And she's like, she's like, uh, you know, speak how to be a good dad. And I'm like, you got the wrong guy. I was like, I'm an idiot. Like I'm, I'm just trying to learn how to do this. She goes, no, no, no. That's what we all like about it. Like you're so transparent. You're so authentic. Like there's no like highlight reel. Like you're just sharing what it is you're learning. And I was like, I mean, I guess I can do that. I've never spoken about this topic. And I was like, well, how many women are we talking about? I was thinking like 25, 30. Right. She's like, there's, there's about 300 of us. And I'm like, wow. I was like, 300. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, don't worry, we're all friendly. And so (laughs) I did it. And to be honest, like I just used like a lot of just authentic humor and I just had fun with it and they loved it. Mm -hmm. And then I started being asked to speak again and then to men's groups and then other groups and then other groups. And I was like, man, I was like, I just kind of wonder if I have something here. And 2013 started the blog, 2015, wrote my first book, started the podcast. And I only started the podcast because I got so tired of blogging. Yeah, <laughs> I just got yeah. so tired of writing. And I was like, I just want to have conversations. And then here we are, um, you know, seven years later um, and almost a thousand episodes with Dad Edge. And, mm-hmm. and then we started our Dad Edge Alliance Mastermind in 2016. So that's six years running now. And man, it's been such a great, it's been such a great learning adventure and platform uh, on these topics, man. 
Is this your full-time thing now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Will you tell, tell us a little bit about this Data Edge Alliance real quick? What, what is that exactly? Yeah. So we, I, I began, I start, I became a participant in a mastermind. It was for Christian business owners back in 2015. I had no clue what a mastermind even was. Right. And basically what it was is at the time I was like, I wonder if I could somehow make the podcast and this, this movement, like something, I just don't know what that something is. Right. And I started, a, I was a participant in a mastermind and I was in a group every Monday morning, 10 AM. I was with 10 guys and, and our, the, the facilitator. And I was like, I couldn't believe how drastically my life changed. You know, when it came to my business, my mindset, my marriage, my attitude, my perceptions, you know, that whole iron sharpens iron. I was learning skills. I was held accountable to do things. I had people in that group that wanted the best for me. And it was this, this environment every Monday morning, it was, a, it was psychologically safe to ask anything, right? I love that. I love yeah. That. Com- communication, intimacy, patience with your kids, business, whatever. And I was like, I have never experienced anything like that. And I was like, this is awesome. So I had a conversation with the guy who ran the whole platform and he encouraged me. He's like, he's like, why don't you take what we do for Christian businessmen and, and gear this to dads? Mm-hmm. And so I did, I was like, well, how do I, how do I do that? What do I get? He's like, reach out. So he's, he, yeah. He goes, here's what I want you to do. He goes, I want you to come up with a 90 day curriculum. And then I want you to reach out to 15 men and I want you to charge this amount. I want you to charge each man a hundred bucks a month for three months and just invite them to see if they'd be willing to do it. And I did. And every single man said yes, without even hesitating. I was like, I've got this three month thing. It's a hundred bucks a month. It's this, these are the things we're going to be covering. We're covering marriage and patience and parenting and mindset and health. And do you want to, do you want to come do it with me? I've never done this. And every single guy was like, I'm in. So we did that. We had that three month um, program. Well, then what I found was, is 80% of those men wanted to keep going. And I was like, I don't, because they were all like, well, now what? Like, <laughs> right, dude, right. like everything's going so well. Like now what? And I'm Let's like, keep I, it up. yeah, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't have anything else. So I was like, the only thing I could possibly think of is that you guys just all do it again. We and they did and do it all over again. That's yeah. great. They did hey, the same curriculum all over again. Consistency on the fundamentals, man. I mean, that's what yeah. it's all about, but keep going. Yeah. That's no. Great. Yeah. So that, so that evolved into over 200 men coming in, in 2016, uh, doing a three month program. And I was like, and all of them had the same feedback. This was game changing. This was amazing. I've never the same, the same feeling I had when I was a part of my mastermind, but men were elevating their marriages, creating more intimacy, creating more patience with their kids, more connections, better health, better mindset, all these things. And then the feedback was always the same you need to start something that's ongoing because I can't just be a part of this for three months and then not have it in my life. Like that feels like something's hugely missing. So in 2017, we created what is now the Alliance, which is an ongoing program, which we help men on the daily. So now we have 750 members. We have, um, we teach, we, we have 35 mastermind call teams per week, seven days a week. Wow. Uh, we have team captains that facilitate those masterminds. We, we have a, a skills agenda that we teach them every single month and it changes every month. So they learn something new 
every week. That's great. And man, these guys, like, it's awesome because like these guys just help each other. We thrive with each other and it's all, it's all virtual. We have live meetups too, but it's all virtual, but yeah, that's the Alliance. That is fantastic, man. You know, you said a, you said a, a, a key couple words there that I've heard you talk about before. And I really like, before we even move further, there's something you said about psychological safety that there was, they were, you were able to ask any question in that group and that that was really important to you. Will you speak on that for my listeners? Sure. Because you've applied that to your family. Yeah. And that, that I remember hearing you speak on something about this and I was like, gosh, that is such gold. Will you tell us about like why psychological safety is important and how you apply it to your family and how it's you know served you? Sure. I, I love talking about this topic because unfortunately cycle. So creating an, what, what we call creating an environment of psychological safety, that's a skill. So I want you to think about it this way. Um, you and your listeners, I want you to reflect upon how you grew up. Usually what happens is, is, uh, men or, and women, just people in general, we grow up in, in one of two camps. Camp number one is, man, I always felt pretty, pretty confident that I could share just about anything with my parents and I wouldn't have shame, blame, or pain. Now mm -hmm. they don't use those words, but they usually say it as like, no, I, I actually had a really nice open relationship with my parents. Like, you know, they, they knew some of the things I did or I could always, I could always go to them. Or if you, if camp number one is, is the minority, the majority is like, Absolutely. Oh my God, this just happened. And my parents can never find out they'll, they'll kill me. Right. Yep. And the one thing I'll say too, is if you're raising kids, the, the creating an environment of psychological safety is not the absence of discipline. It's not the absence of consequences, but it is the absence of, of shame, guilt, and pain. Yep, right. Yep. Like, I think we can all relate. Like I was raised with what's wrong with you. How, how dare oh, you feel that 100%. way? You know? Yeah. It's like, and yeah, you're yeah. just like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like what's what just wrong happened? with you is such an awful question. And it comes yeah. out in that angry moment and it's such yeah. an awful question. Yeah. And it, and man, it, but you know, and I, I can empathize, I can empathize with dads who are so frustrated, frustrated when they say, how many times have we said this? Yeah. How many times that we got around the, the thing, the problem is the system is broken. You, you're not putting in a new input. You're repeating the cycle too, just like they are, yep. but that's not what it feels like in that moment. It feels like, why are you not understanding? Yeah. And then comes out the question, what's wrong with you? Gosh, yeah. it's just such a, and it's a terrible question, but keep, keep going, man. Because I, I do also empathize, I would say with the father who said that I've been yeah. that guy. And that's, yeah. I'm, I've been there and that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want to help that guy. I've been you. I know that feeling. I know what yeah. it feels like that the blood boil and you just go really again. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I, dude, I've been doing this now for 10 years. I still do it. I mean, I'm, I'm not immune to falling into these traps. Like I yeah, still yeah. do it. The only difference is, is that I've learned skills and I usually I can see it coming before it happens and I can stop it. Yeah. Or it, it happened, but I know how to pivot and, and rebound a heck of a lot faster make versus a repair, make a repair plummeting versus plummeting down the, the spiral of self-sabotage and also shaming my kids. And you can just, boom, you can just rebound and repair a lot quicker, but yeah, creating an environment of psychological safety. Like, listen, um, this is where men just, and you can, you see it every day. Maybe you see it consciously or maybe you don't, but I'll bring some things to the surface and, 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 and you'll probably see it every day. Um, 
Hey man, how's work? Fine. How's the family? Good. How, how's everything been? Oh, we're busy. Everything's busy. So we, we ask we, no man really opens up their life to another man, you know, right. unless that environment's there, we keep okay. everything like kind of out here, like arm's length. And that's the way we like it. Cause we don't want anyone to think that we're not fine or, or we don't have our life in order. Here's the other really crazy thing. If you look at men, like the next birthday party, you go where your kids are at, right? Watch women and watch men. And the reason I have my cup up is because what you'll see is, is men will stand there like this with their yeah. drink. Yeah. <laughs> this is unguarded, right? And this yeah. is the, for those of your listeners who are audio only, uh, I, my drink is right in front of my chest. And it's because, yeah. and the other thing too is I stand side by side next to a guy, right? And we have like these really surface level conversations as we watch everything, right? Right. So, um, and, they, and I like also how your hand is slightly on your hip, almost like if, if back in the day we would have had, maybe had a pistol, a knife, or it just kind of has this kind of like a little bit broader and kind of like, Hey, almost a defensive position. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because this, you know, hands on hips is a, is a subconsciously a defensive position. Right. right it's kind of like me against you. Yep. But yeah. That's, that's the way men are. We're very guarded mm. and there's, there's reasons for that. Number one, we don't want anyone to see our wounds or flaws, right? We, we want to project that we've got everything together. Uh, number two, we, we also don't want to be the first one to start conversations that are authentic because quite frankly, we just don't know how to do it. Steven Mansfield wrote three books. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote a book called Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. He also wrote a book called Men on Fire and Building a Band of Brothers. Those three books... So if you look at like the whole psychology around men in general, we're actually not taught these skill sets of building a band of brothers, which it is a skill set, which in order for us to be able to use that skill set, you have to be hundred percent authentic. Mm -hmm. And what men usually, the way we view authenticity and vulnerability is through this lens of like, it's feminine, negative, weepy energy, like, Oh, it's like, uh, and we don't do that. Like you can still be authentic and incredibly masculine. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And the other thing too, so creating an environment of psychological safety, this is where you can authentically bring up any topic in your relationships with, let's just call it another man. Right. Like, so like if I were to, I, Brandon, I barely know you. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you were to ask me about my life or about my day and if I would be like, Oh yeah, everything's good. Fine. Great. Yeah. But if I were to be like, yeah, man, everything is pretty good. You know, everything's pretty good. Business is pretty good. You know, I, one thing that, man, Brandon, I'm just really trying to figure out these days is how to be more patient with a teenager. Like, ah, like that sometimes keeps me up at night. If I'm just being real with you. Yeah. Now I just want to ask you, like, if I were to actually say that to you, would you like me more or less? A hundred percent like you more. Yeah. You'd like me more, Especially but am I having a teenager? Right. <laughs> Cause I'd be like, oh, wow, this guy, I could, I can get in on that. Yeah. I totally get that. But our view of that is like my, and even though I've been teaching this for so long, my view of this as a man is I can't let Brandon know that I'm struggling with my teenagers. Right. Like he'll think I'm an idiot, but that actually what it's actually the opposite. You actually like me more and you relate to me more. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's also the way that I said it. It wasn't like, I was like, Oh my gosh. Right. It was Man. like an opportunity. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like, Hey, there's something I'm trying to figure out. I'm chewing on this right now. Yeah. Which is 
different than golly. Oh man, this is something that's just totally taking me down. There's nothing else I can do about it. Whatever. You know, it's you're like, Hey, there's something I've been chewing on. I'm really trying to figure this out. It actually keeps me up a little bit. Yeah. And when you create that environment of psychological safety, two, two big things happen. Number one, the person that shares what, what's going on for them, uh, automatically, uh, w- when it's received well, right. Right. This is uh, this is huge because it's like, it's basically like taking off your 50 pound rucksack. I was just going to say, relieving a little pressure out of the tank. Yeah. You just let a little bit of that out. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. Uh, when I share that, I'm automatically giving permission to the other man or the other men in that group to also unpack whatever it is that they're feeling because they relate to that. They're like, well, Hey, well, now that we're talking about this, like, is anybody else having struggles with communicating with their wife? Like, cause I'm, that's where I'm struggling. Right. And then it becomes like this incredible conversation of like, Holy crap. These are the conversations we've been waiting to have hundred percent. Right. That's psychological safety. Mm. And tell me about with your kids. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could say I'm great at this hundred percent of the time. You know, there, I have my bad moments with it, but what I can tell you is if I'm, if I'm ready for it and I always try to be on the ready is there's a quote that I try to live by. And that is your honesty and ownership is celebrated and not punished. So if my kid, like, I'll give you a great example of how you can do this with your kid but also battle with what it is that's on your mind and heart as a man and father. Right. So like, if I ask my kid, like, Hey man, like how was school today? Which by the way, I hate that question, but you know, I'm like, Hey, how was school today? Or if I'll ask my kid, if I want to dig a little deeper, like what was a big challenge you had today? What was something you failed at today? What was, what was kind of a kick in the rear end for you today? Right. That's an opportunity to, for that kid to open up to you. Now, if my kid tells me, Oh man, he's like, dad, I got that science test back today. I got a D on it. Now, listen, there's a part of me as a man and a husband, father, right? And I just want to be like, dude, how many times I tell you to study for that test? Like how many times I tell you to get off the phone and your Oculus and PlayStation, you knew you had this test coming. We talked about this seven days ago. Why did you get a D? Come on, man. You knew, right? There's that part of me that wants to do that. Instead, I'll be like, oh, okay. Well, tell me more about that. You know, I just be like, oh, tell me more about that. Now, when I don't use the word why, because why will put the person more on the defense. But if I say, oh, tell me more, tell me more is like, hey, my door is open. Tell me both, both will give you a response, but one is going to give you a guarded response. The other one's going to walk right through your front door and tell you more information in a very welcome way. Now, what I usually do is as a father, we always want to default to lecturing. I told you so. This is how you solve it. This is what we need to do. This is why it's important. Totally. But instead, I'll ask my kid questions. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, yeah, dad, like I, you know, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't prepared for it. I'll be like, okay, well, yeah, tell me more about being prepared for it. You know, again, it's just you're, you're lobbing that out there versus the why question. Well, you know, I, I really didn't study that hard for it. You know, I studied chapters one through three. I neglected four, five, and six. And now in my mind, I'm still battling with like, dude, I told you to do this, right? right? Or you knew, right? I'd be like, huh, okay. Great observation, man. Right. And I'm talking to my son, obviously. Great observation, man. Um, well, let me ask you this. If you had to study for this thing all over again, what would you do different? It's like, oh, I would have 
I would have probably studied four or five and six. Okay. Great. Awesome, man. Good, good awareness. What else? I probably wouldn't have been on my phone. I, 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 I waited till the last minute and these are good observations. Good on you. Okay. So these are great learnings. So when's your next test? They're like, oh, I got one next Friday in, in cultural geography, right? Okay. Well, we have a test next Friday. We've got seven days. So being that we know this information now about in some of the learnings, what would you do different? And then they'd be like, well, I think I would study more. I wouldn't stay up as late. I'd probably, I don't know, I wouldn't spend as much time on TikTok or something like that. Be like, okay, well, how can I best support you in pursuing that? What feels right to you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll articulate the accountability. They'll be like, you know what? Hold me accountable to study. I'll hand my phone over to you at 7 p.m. from 7 to 8. I'll study. Maybe you can quiz me if I need some help. Yeah, man, I'm there for you. This is great. Okay, great. So we got a plan in place. And you learn from the last thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you walk away from the conversation with the learnings and not the lecture and without the blame, shame, and pain. Even though me as a dad, right, and his father, I'm like, dude, I told you to study. I told you this, right? But you got to fight that. Oh, because in order for that kid, like, listen, there's going to be another D on a test yeah. where there's going to be a time to come to you again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's where that, that's what I call a small win hmm. because what you're really fighting for, Brandon, what you're really fighting for is these kids who are six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right. They're going to be driving in six years, right. They're going to be at a party where they drank too much Yep. and they're, they're going to make a decision whether or not do I call dad Right. Based on all these other conversations that I had years past, is he going to destroy me or is he going to be like, Hey man, thanks for calling me. I'll be right there. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's the welcoming their openness. I just absolutely love, you know, holding that, Hey, we're going to celebrate and honor your, your honesty and your openness. And these are things that should be celebrated. Um, and you're right. The gut feeling when they share something it, and also, especially if they share something that like my son's liking rap music. And for me, I, it's not I, that I'm against rap music. I actually like to dance. I like, I like music. So music's cool with me. It's when the lyrics are just so bad. Oh yeah. I mean like so bad, like they're trash lyrics already, but also every like subconscious message in there is just trash too. And I'm like, man, I really just can't get on with this particular, like you can listen to rap. And I mean, he can, he's allowed to listen to what he wants. Cause he's 16 years old. And I'm like, look, you get to make your own decisions at the same time. Just know that my fundamental belief is that your soul is essentially being stained by your thoughts. And when your thoughts are being, you know, fed this stuff, man, you're just adding a lot of layers that you're going to have to work through, you know, in your own thinking. And I don't, I I particularly don't like it. However, that's me forcing my opinion on him. And so I'll often ask, what do you really like about that artist? Mm -hmm. What's, what is it about, you know, like he's, he likes the artist juice world. What's the, what is it about juice world? That's really like the thing that really gets you. And he's, and you know, sometimes he particularly knows that I'm like, 
I'm like a meaning making machine. I'm always searching for meaning. I'm always seeing symbolism. I'm always looking for the deeper thread, you know? And so he'll, he knows how to speak to me as well. And he's like, well, dad, he's really vulnerable, you know, about his past. <laughs> and <laughs> he's really open about the challenges that he's had with drugs and stuff like that. But he talks about how it takes people down. He doesn't glorify it and glamorize it like other artists do. And uh, that's what I really like about it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, you know, even though I probably a, a lot of the music, like I said, I'm not necessarily going to be a huge fan of when I'm able to dig in and get to know him and where he's coming from and why he likes a particular artist or, you know, why he thinks a certain song is really his vibe or whatever. Now, granted, there are some songs that make no sense. I don't think necessarily art or life always has to make sense. There's a lot of times where it's fun, just good, silly fun. Um, but um, at the same time, I just try to investigate with him. What's what's going on under here that you're really driving? And most of it is his need for belonging and significance, which is something I talk about a lot. And it's, you know, so much of our behavior and our children's behavior and their choices are just them really seeking to belong and to find rank and status. And it's the same for us. Yeah. Um, so his music choices, I know deeply are also being driven by his want his, and need to fit in and to be a part of his social and peer group and, uh, and not be kind of the odd man out, even though sometimes that's a good leadership position, you know, and it's, there's a time and a place to take the stand, but, um, but yeah, it's really cool. So I really love, I just love that, man. I love, uh, that psychological safety piece. I got a ton out of that before and, um, even more this time. So thank you so much for, uh, expanding on that. Let me ask you uh, this question too. If, Tell me, tell me a little bit about your family. So you have four boys now. Last time I, I counted. Yeah. Give me the lay of the land with, with your kids, like their ages and like, cause I'm, I'm on both ends of the spectrum right now. I've got one kid that just started kindergarten. Another one's learning how to drive. Wow. So, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling like I, I'm straddling two very unique worlds, yeah. but it's great for me too. It's also giving me a lot of perspective, you know? So, and I'm getting a second chance with my five-year-old, like, yeah. I'm getting to do things. And I tell the, the other, the older one all the time, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known this stuff when you were little. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we only have now, but, but certainly learned so much from uh, his older brother. So I'm getting a cool chance to see what it's like to develop a relationship with my little guy now, knowing yeah. now what I know. So tell me a little bit about your, your family makeup and what that looks like. Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, the reason I say, wow, is cause I never really be, I'm never able to relate to somebody else who has kids in those buckets, right. And those, in those age ranges. So in two weeks, my 15 year old will be 16 next week, next Monday, a week from today, I'm taking him to go get his driver's permit. So, uh, and my youngest is in kindergarten. So, you know, we definitely have what we call my, my wife and I call the bigs and the littles. Mm. So my bigs are 14 and almost 16. And then my littles are six and eight. So, uh, obviously all boys, uh, if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, if I'd have four kids, I would have laughed. And if you would have told me I had four boys, I would have had a look of absolute terror in my eyes, even though I was <laughs> doing dad edge at the time, but we had my my eight-year-old, we had him in 2013. My six-year-old, he was 2016. And I, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, it's, um, it's really, I, 
not every day, obviously, is sunshine and rainbows. Uh, it's it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of moving parts. Uh, boys are, have a lot of energy, and it's beautiful and chaotic at the same time. And it, here's here's the interesting thing. You know, I would have never thought I'd be a father of four kids. But one thing I'll tell you is that as as crazy and chaotic as it can be, what I'll tell you is that I've learned and I've had to do this. Excuse me, here recently, is that. Um, as much as my house is loud, it's crazy. It can be obnoxious, ton of energy. The other thing that scares me is the deafening sound of silence. Right. The opposite. Because I know not long from now that I will turn around, my house will be clean. There will be no shoes everywhere. There will be no dirt everywhere. There will be no dirty laundry from here to, to piled to the ceilings and and my house will be quiet and I won't know what to do with myself. And I'll share just one quick reflection on that. My wife, this was months and months ago. Um, very rarely is there ever just one person in my house, you know, unless, it, unless my kids are at school, there was a Sunday, this was months and months ago. My wife, I, th- I think her car was being, her van was being, it was in the shop and all we had was my car, which you can only fit five people in my car. So she's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go over my mom's sick. She invited it. And unfortunately we don't have room for somebody and it's going to be you. Right. But I'm going to take the kids over to my mom. She's like, Hey, you know, enjoy your time. Like enjoy your downtime. Like watch whatever you want on TV, catch up on a show, like read a book, go off, go do something. Right. And dude, I was looking so forward to it. I'm like, man, it's going to be so cool. Like, what am I going to do? Like, it's awesome. Right. (laughs) And it was cool, man, for like 20 minutes. And then it wasn't. And I got a really like this, this feeling that I was like, Oh my God, like this is what my house is going to feel like when my kids aren't here. And dude, it was, I got to meet myself like 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. And it was not a place. I got to be honest. It wasn't a pleasant feeling. Mm. Like I started thinking about like, if my kids were out of the house and moved on, would I regret anything? Mm. Would I have done things any differently? Because now all I have is the quiet of my home that I long for every day. And now I have it. Now what? And what I can tell you, it was a kick in the rear end. It was almost like, it was almost like a, almost like another divine thing, you know, like a tap on the shoulder, like a God wink, you know, that we like to call it, which is like, Hey man, you should, you should really appreciate what you have now. Stop wishing that things get quiet, you know? And now, and so when things get crazy in my house, you know, which they do every day, I start to think to myself, yeah, I'll wake up tomorrow and some of these, some of these things that annoy me that are overwhelming sometimes, they're going to be gone. And I will wish that I looked on the floor and my kids' shoes will be there. I'm going to wish that I saw, I didn't, I, I stepped on my kid's Lego, which by the way is insanely painful. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's going to be time where I will not have to have yearly maintenance on my washing machine and dryer because it never shuts off. And I need to embrace and love the, what I have right now. And that man, that, that thought keeps me very motivated to just try to enjoy as much as possible what I have now. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I heard a great distinction recently and I love it. I always loved this distinction first, which is that life is not happening to you life is happening for you. 
And I really have so appreciated that distinction for so long where I'm like, when you really look at it and it even goes back to like some stoic beliefs in, in stoicism, where it's like, if the greatest pains in your life and the greatest challenges taught you the best lessons and brought you the greatest opportunities, then our greatest pains are our greatest blessings. Mm-hmm. And, well said. and I'm like that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in feeling like life's happening to us. And the second distinction that I really liked was um, you kind of, as a parent, it can be easy to fall in the trap of saying, um, I have to take my kids to school. Oh, I'd love to do that, but I have to take them to this sporting event. Or I'd love to do that, but I really have, you know, yeah. I, no time this evening. We've got studying, we've got all this stuff. And you get in that have to do. And the distinction I heard was get to. Because when they leave, you're going to miss it. It's hard to believe in the moment. It's hard when everything's like you're saying chaotic and there's so much energy. But when they leave, you're going to wish you could get to do that. Yeah. And so I just love that distinction. I think all of us need to take almost like this long scope look of what's the long game here, because in the short mm-hmm. ter- in the short term, there is a lot of, you know, angst and, and disappointment or upset and all, all of that stuff. But when we look at that long-term play and realize we're not playing a short game, we're playing a long game, you know, we can pull ourselves out of that stuff pretty quickly. Like, is this going to matter tomorrow? <laughs> you know, a good example of that. I'll put some context around it. My little guy is very uh, athletic at a young age. I mean, he started riding a bike really, really young. I mean, he was just like cruising around on one of those like bikes without wheels, but he picked up uh, the balance bike like so quickly Um, and it would blow people away, but he struggled to speak really well. And a lot of times, for example, his brother would get really frustrated that he would use the wrong words. And I would tell him like, Hey, brother, like son, you got to understand. This is kind of the question I pose him. Do you believe that your brother will never learn how to say that correctly? And he's like, no, he's going to learn it, but gosh, it just bothers me when he does it now. And I'm like, he's going to learn it. He's going to learn it. And what right now, instead of shaming him or instead of getting upset with him for saying these things wrong, enjoy it because it's cute. And you know what? He's going to learn it one day. One day he's going to speak perfect English. One day he's going to know how to do that math problem. One day he's going to be able to do this. So I know it's frustrating in that moment and you want to rush it. But the fact is, is that when you really think about it, he's going to learn this stuff. You don't have to worry so much, you know? And, um, and that's always helped me is like just pulling myself out of it is like, do I really believe that these children aren't going to one day be able to do this thing? You know, I can speak to my teenager until I'm blue in the face about things that I want him to do or embody. But the truth is, is like when I, you know, life is the greatest teacher. And when he hit rubs up against it, he's going to learn these things. He's going to remember things that I said. I don't have to say it a billion times. Maybe I stay consistent on it, but he's going to one day go, Hey dad, remember you kept telling me that thing? 
I totally get it now, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. clears throat> and I just know that. And I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm just kind of like accepted, like it doesn't have to be perfect right now because yeah. ultimately in the long game, it's going to work out. It will. Um, I have a story that might help emulate that as well. If you're, if you're cool with yeah, that. hundred <clears throat> percent. So yeah, it will. First of all, my, my eight year old, he, uh, he says, remember, and he doesn't say, remember, uh, he says a couple other words that are just, um, oh my God, marshmallow, <laughs> marshmallow. I love the fact that he calls a marshmallow a marshmallow. And one of my older boys said it's marshmallow. I was like, dude, you don't, have to you don't trust have me. To. He will get it. I was <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's hilarious right now. Just let him, let him be. Okay. But here's how this also can transpire with our older kids. This is fresh off of experience from this past weekend. So this past weekend, I drove from St. Louis to Indianapolis and back in one day. And I did it on Saturday because one of my, he, he was a client. He was a part of that first dad edge uh, mastermind that I did. Into. He was one of those 15 guys I asked and said yes to it. Well, then he kind of emerged as this leader. And then when we did the Alliance, he was my first, what we call team captain. So one of my first coaches really evolved into this amazing leader. He has been in the Alliance literally since 2016. He's still there. Uh, got so hyped up over personal growth and, and development that he went and got certified as an unbeatable mind coach under Mark Devine, who wrote the book. Unbeatable oh, yeah. Mind. So, I yeah, love Mark Navy Devine. Seal. Love yeah. Him. So he got certified and he just wrote and launched um, this book right here, which is called School of Grit. Oh, and I love Grit. Yeah. Well, I love Angela Duckworth's grit as well. So that's great. Yeah. So I went to Brad's book launch because I was, I was a big part of his story and I wrote the forward of his book. And, and so I drove, so I was exhausted, right? Nine hours in the car and got home and, you know, my son, my oldest son, who's going to be 16, went to a band competition that was like two hours away. Like they, you know, all the students piled on a bus and they had to go to this band competition and it was all day and most of the evening. And he was supposed to be back around 1030 and me picking him up from school at 1030 at night. I was exhausted, wanted to go. And by the, by the way, like one thing that I keep very sacred is my sleep. And, you know, so I like to go to bed at a certain time, even on the weekends, you know, not super early, but decent. Like I'm not a 1am kind of guy anymore. I haven't Absolutely. been for a long time. And so I was looking on life 360 and seeing where he was at. And I noticed he hadn't left, left where he was at, which was a two hour drive. And it was, it was nine 45. And I'm like, I was texting him. I'm like, Hey, have you guys left to come back home yet? And he's like, no, we're still here. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I was like, text me when you leave. So basically what happened was his ETA, his new ETA went from 10 30 to 12 30. And I was like, I felt just aggravated irritated. And I'm like, and I even texted him. I'm like, Hey, um, and his school is a mile away. Mm -hmm. I was like, is there any way that somebody could give you a ride home? And he's like, I don't think I can find anybody to give me a ride home. Like, and I'm like, man, I was like, I'm gonna have to stay up until 1230, go get him. Mm -hmm. I probably won't get to sleep till one thing. And I would be quite honest. I was like, man, I just wish he could find a ride. I was kind of aggravated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I even, I drove up to his school It's 1230 and I'm like, like, man, I'm exhausted beyond measure right now. 
And I decided, man, I was like, I need to fight this. Like I need to fight this feeling of exhaustion and even quite annoyed that I know he could have easily found a ride. And I need to embrace this because this is practice for if he's at a party and he drank too much. Mm. I want, I want to make this a good experience for him. Not like, I can't believe I'm up this late, man. Like, why couldn't you find a ride? Cause to be honest, that's kind of what I wanted to say to him. And he got in the car and I was like, Hey man, like, how did today go? He's like, Oh, it's awesome. I had a solo, you know, with my, he plays saxophone. He's like, I had a solo. It was, it was really, really cool. He went on and on. I was like, man, that's cool. And I was like, are you hungry? And he's like, I'm starving. I'm, I'm, I haven't eaten since five. And I'm like, mm. it's like, well, can I make you something to eat? He's like, dad. And he knows like, I'm going to, I go to bed early. He's like, it's like, dad, it's almost 1am. It's like, I know. I was like, but do you want something to eat? He's like, I would love something. To eat. I was like, well, I was like, stop off somewhere. I was like, or I could make you like a late breakfast. I could make some eggs or something like that, a bagel or something. It's like, it's like, you would do that. And I'm like, yeah, I would do that. So we came home. And I'm whipping him him up an egg sandwich, few slices of cheese, few slices of bacon, bagel. You know, I like I really kind of made it like a like a super like man versus food kind of a right, like hearty, yeah, yeah. And he made a video of me, and he's just and he video and I put he put it. He actually is in charge of my TikTok. He put it on my TikTok. He's like. It's 1245. He's like, my dad is making me breakfast. I know he can, he's so <laughs> tired. And we ended up, he ate breakfast and we talked and my wife was out there who also likes to go to bed early. And he said something that he like, he does say every now and again. I love it. He's like, I love my life. Mm. And I was like, what, what makes you say that? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, it's been such a long day and being able to come home and have something to eat and tell you guys about my day is like, it's just, so cool. And my wife and I went to bed and we were tired, but I thought to myself, I was like, man, I was like, it's going to be like a year or two that he's going to drink too much at a party. And he's going to remember this. Like, he's not going to remember be like, dude, why couldn't you find a ride? It's so late. He's going to remember this. Like, Hey man, like, thanks for calling me. Are you hungry? Let's cause that's what we, that you talk about an environment of psychological safety. Kids keep, keep track of that stuff. Right. Absolutely. And as much as it was hard as hell, for me to show up, we did it, you know? And I was like, man, that was a win, man. Total win. Yeah. That could have went the exact opposite way. Oh yeah, I'm so I, I, I get super inspired by you, man. That's one of the reasons I really enjoy following you. And you know, that's an inspirational moment for me. Now, next time I'm facing one of those challenges, I will totally remember that and, uh, and apply that. I really, really love that. And you know, it's funny. You talked about sleep. I used to be the night owl. I used to be the late guy. Too. I, was a, I was a bachelor. And then even after being a bachelor, I was a single dad for a long time. And I just had this kind of party boy lifestyle. People knew that, you know, they could hang out. I, for example, anytime uh, it was Friday the 13th, we always threw a party. I used to have like, if it was Friday the 13th, you knew you could come to my house and we were having a party for no reason at all, just because it's going to happen. And that day is a day for us to have a party. Having 13 is my favorite number. So it was weird, but it was something I used to do. And then, and then I would have like these full moon parties. If it was full moon, we would have a party. And so I was this real night owl. And then when I had my second son and I had a startup and I had a coaching business it was like, man, how am I going to be the kind of dad I want to be? How am I going to give, put out the kind of output that I want to put out? 
And uh, I was being trained in Optimize uh, coaching for, um, it's Brian Johnson, Optimize. And I was being trained as an Optimize coach. And one of the things that we were talking about is sleep as a fundamental. And he talked about how uh, Tom Brady and LeBron James went to bed around 8 o'clock, 8.30, and they got up super, super early. Like we're talking 4.30 a.m. They were at practice, you know, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. They're already rolling. And they would nap in the afternoons, but they would like put out so much stuff before people ever even showed up. And I just admired that so much. I was like, well, if I'm going to be the kind of, you know, you know, entrepreneur I want to be, kind of father I want to be, I've got to change my productivity habits. Where am I losing the most amount of time? And so after doing a time audit, audit, I was like, you know what? I keep spending time in the evenings where I'm like, oh, that's me time. And then me time was actually me just either like scrolling or reading like random, you know, especially, especially at the time, there was a lot of political stuff going on. So it was like me reading political stuff and may, you know, forming opinions around things that honestly, I probably shouldn't even have been getting my nose into like on some level. Yeah. I owe it to myself, my family and my country to have, you know, an interest in that stuff. But the other end is like, are, are you going to do it to the point where you're actually suffering? <laughs> like, cause that's kind of can happen pretty easily. So, um, looked at how I was spending my time and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start going to bed early. I'm going to go to bed at eight 30 at the time. I remember I told my, my, my partner and she was shocked. She was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. I'm going to bed at eight 30. I'm getting up at four 30 AM. Mm-hmm. And at first it was very challenging one, because my brain didn't want to shut down, but I figured out how to get around that, which is that the reason my brain wasn't shutting down is because I had been putting in so much blue light before bed and I had been eating late. And so those things, and I'd been kind of like, I wasn't cooling the jets at all. So I started doing a shutdown complete, which is out of deep work from Cal Newport. So at 5 PM would roll around, boom, I'd shut down my computer. I'd shut down all work stuff. And I say, shut down complete. And at that point, it was me going to family mode. Next thing I know, I'm spending one-on-one time with my kids. I'm making dinner. I'm doing stuff like that. And then evening ritual, putting the kids down, getting into a book, and cooling the jets. And pretty soon, I was able to go to bed at 8.30. Digital sunset happened when the sun went down, all my electronics. Any uh, screen in our house would go down, and it was like perfect. And, uh, and so they would get up at 4.30. And in, at 4.30, I was waking up and praying, meditating, walking, uh, exercising. I'd get in some uh, deep work, which is for me, writing content or writing um, emails or basically creating. And, uh, and so I do all that. And I, I, I've formed through doing that, I've, I've now formed an opinion on how time is either invested or spent. I was spending my time in the evenings, calling it me time in the mornings. I was investing time in me because everything I was doing had, had benefit, meaning purpose. It was actually feeding me. Like it was filling my cup. I remember by the time the family woke up, I was like ready to make a breakfast and hang out where before I'd wake up and I was like, I got to get this stuff. I got to go. I got, you know, I was all in this, always in this rush, but then all of a sudden I'm like, I flipped my schedule I become this early riser, which was shocking to me that I could even do that because again, I was such a night owl um, and people admired it. I remember so many people that were around me, my family members and friends were all like, dude, 
I'm so impressed that you're getting up that early and that you're doing that. But then we'd have, again, we'd have like a meal together and we would talk about the day and the goals. And like, I'd had so much more flexibility because I had already done so much in the morning. I already checked off so many of my key things that I'd wanted to get done. And, uh, and so ever since that flip, I have become such a big sleep person. I am literally like sleep is the number one self-care habit for me as a dad. Mm -hmm. If I want to be the best me, I have got to get to sleep. And if I want to get good sleep, I have got to have no electronic blue lights in my eyes before bed because it completely messes with my melatonin. And, uh, and then also what Wi-Fi actually turn off my, like my phone goes on airplane mode. Everything goes away from me because our brains are, they pick up these little electrical signals. And if your phone's sitting there next to your bed and it's picking up emails and notifications and all these things, even if it's on silent and even if it's on vibrators, like if it's vibrating, it's especially getting you because it's getting you on multiple levels because you're triggered by it. But also even if it's on silent and the vibrates off, uh, there's a little signal that's happening and in a way our body kind of knows it just kind of like is picking up on these tiny little signals. And I think from my experience, because I can actually feel when my phone's off airplane mode, I'm like, Oh my gosh, was I, and I flipped the phone over and I look at it. I'm like, gosh, I knew it. Bad night of rest. Phone was next to the bed off airplane mode. It was picking up signals all night long. So uh, I've gotten to a place where I just like prioritize sleep as a father so much. And as a business owner, um, yeah. been a game changer. You mentioned real quick, and um, I-, I wanted to ask you this, but you mentioned, I heard you say life 360, but from the dad position, like what are some of your favorite like technology tools, things that you guys use as like staples for your family that are things that maybe you go, man, I don't even want to go backwards. This is such a great thing. Yeah. So, uh, I can tell you my number one and without even hesitating is bark. That's how I, I don't know if you, you use I it absolutely too. use it too, especially yeah. for my 16 year old, five year old, it's not so much, but the 16 year old, hundred percent bark is one. I think I, I honestly think bark is the seatbelt in your car. It's the helmet on your kid's head when they're on a bike or skateboard. Like you don't give them a device that accesses something like the internet or text messaging with friends without it. And I'll, and, and I'm sure you obviously know about it, but you know, Bark is a, um, it's, it's a, it's a organization that it's a resource and an app that basically it helps parents protect their kids against the landmines that are the internet, the landmines that, you know, I, I don't know about you. I mean, how old are you, Brandon? I'm 35. Okay. 35. So I'm 46. I grew up, I mean, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 19 in 1999. Mm-hmm. I was almost graduating college. Right. Mm-hmm. I was a fat kid growing up, uh, you know, really fat so much so that I was, I was targeted and bullied and recess, you get beat up and all this stuff. But the cool thing about being at home, even though my home life was crazy, um, I was also separated from the bullies at school. So like if I was at home, nobody gets me. Well, if you have a phone, everybody can get to you, right? Or an iPad or whatever. So Bark, I mean, it's it's an app that you install on the, on the background of your kids' devices. They don't know it's there. My kids know it's there. They know I right. they know I check it, right? Yep. Uh, but it's an app, and what it does is it detects keywords, keywords in emails, text messaging, social media, 
the whole nine yards. And so it'll, it'll detect, you know, adult sexual searches on the internet. It will detect suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, medical, medically concerning content, violence, profanity, bullying, all these things. Right. And for me, if my kids have a device that they're communicating with other kids with, or they have, you know, access to the internet or social media, um, I really want to know what it is that they're viewing because, you know, they're going to see things or experience things or things are going to be said to them that they don't know. They don't know how to figure them out. Here, here's one of the scariest things. Teenagers that commit suicide, 82% of the time, parents had no clue it was even, it was even on their radar, but all the clues were always found in the phone. Always, of course. Always. You know, they were saying things to friends they were doing searches on the internet for painless ways to kill myself, things like that. And that's scary stuff, man. And so the cool thing about bark is it's not necessarily an invasion of privacy, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, and my boys, my older boys know that they have it. It's not an invasion of privacy. I always tell them, I'm like, I have this on there because God forbid, you know, you're going through something and I don't know about it. And as your dad, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to guide you part of my job is to guide you is to help you navigate, right? It's your GPS for life. When you're, when you're lost in the woods and your GPS doesn't work anymore, like, how are you going to get out? And I was like, I'm there to, to be basically your swim buddy from time to time and help you get out and find the road again. So that's the way I've described it to them. And, uh, you know, there've been great conversations that me and my boys have had around things that I've seen through bark. And here's the other really cool <laughs> This is one thing that's really cool about Bark. You get, and this is not something Bark advertises. You get a really good gauge of the of the crowd that your your sons or daughters are hanging with mm-hmm. by the text messages that you see. And I'll give you an example. One of my boys, I'm not going to say who, um, was hanging out with this one kid. And every time this kid was over, I was like, "Man, this kid is awesome. This kid is so polite." He's always, yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you for the pizza, Mr. Hagner. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me over. Thank you for letting me spend the night. I'd ask the kids to clean up their mess. He was always the first one to jump up and get it. And then through text messages, I'm like, wow, number one, this kid's got a mouth on him. Number two, he's, he's getting into things that I know aren't aligned with my kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I didn't, didn't really say much about it. I just, because I knew the one son of mine that the kid was hanging out with, he's got a radar for stuff like that. And he doesn't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of stayed in the background and I watched it. And then I noticed this kid hardly came around anymore. And I asked my son, I was like, Hey, I was like, I noticed so-and-so doesn't want to come around anymore. Do you hang out with him? He's like, no. I was like, why not? He's like, well, he uh, kind of got into vaping and kind of got into weed. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. I was like, wow. I was like, uh, interesting. I was like, so why aren't you hanging out with them? He's like, I don't want any part of that. He's like, you know, I, and my son even, he even opened up and shared stories with me about how he was offered it. He was offered, you know, this vape and he took it and threw it in the woods, pissed his friend off something fierce. And I was like, dude, weren't you scared? He's like, no, he's like, number one, he can't beat me up. Number two, he doesn't mean he doesn't mean doing that stuff. Right. So like, but it was because of bark and because I was able to have, I knew what was going on, Yep. but I also allowed track. I was yeah, I had the inside track, but it also allowed me to like, Hey, let me, let me just see what he does. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that position too. You know, um, Sheldon had a teacher recently reach out to me and he said, it said, um, Hey, just want to keep you on the loop on this. And it was a teacher. It was another teacher emailing Sheldon about a test that he had an opportunity to retake, but he hadn't shown up or, you know, they were like, Hey, we're getting out of a time crunch. Um, are you going to retake this test? And so the other teacher pinged me on it. I think she's like an assistant pinged me on it. And I wrote back, Hey, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm going to, uh, keep an eye on this, but I'm going to see what Sheldon does for himself. If we get to Thursday and he hasn't figured this out, I'll have him there first thing that morning and he'll be there to take the, the test. And I was going to drive him there. Um, that afternoon that the email came through, Sheldon had responded. And then later that, e that afternoon, whenever I went, picked him up, he goes, Hey dad, I retook the test. I got real, like, I did really good. I had like a 90 on it. So it's totally going to bring my grade up. And I was like, Oh, awesome. awesome. And he didn't, you know, he never knew actually that yeah. I was in the loop, but I, and you know, this is another thing I do with him because I see, I think children, part of the position. And like you said, we're the guide, right? I used to be the position where I was the parent thinking that my job was more like the authoritarian. I will tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, et cetera. I've totally moved away from that position. I think of myself as like the coach, the consultant, your, your biggest advocate, your support, your confidant. I'm everything that you need in order to like have, like I've got your back basically. And your issues, your problems, your challenges are yours. Mm -hmm. There are age appropriate things where I'm going to pick up things for you. But for the most part, like, for example, my teenager, he does his own laundry. Why would I be doing a 16 year old's laundry? One day he's going to move out. He's got to do his own laundry. Uh, my, my teenager sets his own appointments. He has braces. He's responsible for his braces. A bracket comes off. He makes the phone call. He sets the appointment. I ask him about it. I check in on things. I say, hey, how are the braces going? When's your next appointment? Stuff like that. If he needs to reschedule, he reschedules. If he, if he told me, he said, um, yeah, I got to get a sports physical. I said, okay. Um, all you're going to do, call, call CVS and set your appointment. And because they had a little mini clinic there. And we'll get you a sports physical. So he sets the, he sets the physical. And I, I put, I basically say, Hey, you're not very far from these things being on your turf anyways. Why don't we just start practicing now? So when you hit hangups, I'm right here. You know, if you have questions or you're struggling to get something done, I can help walk you through. How would we do that? You know, somebody's not responding. Let me show you some other ways to get them to, you know, get to you. Um, but anyways, I, I basically have gotten to this position where it's like, hey, the challenges that you have, the mistakes you're going to make, they're yours. I'm not going to own them for you. I'm here to help you if you need help. Sometimes you don't. Maybe you already have an idea of how you're going to fix it. And I'm here to help make sure that, you know, you're not sliding off the tracks. But again, your consequences, your mistakes, your burdens are also yours. Um, and like, it's it kind of shocks people too, whenever they see like they'll see Sheldon making a phone call to, you know, the orthodontist or something like, wow, this kid's like, set, is that, you know, he's like, hi, this is Sheldon. Yeah. I'm a patient of yours. I need an appointment for, you know, and, and the people are in there like, I just can't believe that he's doing that right there. Same thing with his work. He manages his work schedule. Recently we had a, um, a thing with his work schedule where 
he forgot to call in and say, Hey, I need to um, get this time off. I forgot about this event that we're going to over the weekend. And um, so he changed it on hot schedules, but never made the phone call. And he kind of was avoidant of making that call to his manager. And so whenever I talked to him, I said, Hey, did you get your work schedule covered? And he was like, oh yeah, I changed it in hot schedules. I was like, okay, we get cool. When did you do that? And he was like, oh, I just changed it yesterday. I kind of forgot. And I said, oh, you should totally call your manager and uh, let him know. He's like, oh no, no, dad, we have the software now. You can just change it anytime you want. And I was like, I hear you. <laughs> I was also in the service industry and I'm, I'm pretty sure um, I said things may have changed, but I'm pretty sure you may want to just give them a heads up and make sure your, your schedule gets covered. And so he's kind of like, uh, okay, dad. And, but I was like, you know what? I mean, it's up to you. Like you, you don't have to call them or whatever, but I'm just telling you from my experience that you might want to. And, uh, anyways, we come back from the trip and then he's comes home. He goes, I am scheduled every single day this week. I was like, really? And I really liked what his manager did instead of like giving him a, a, a punishment per se. He just said, no, you're going to contribute more. <laughs> so his manager said, Hey, can I talk to you? Sheldon? He says, Hey, if you, if you have to change your schedule that soon, you got to call me, bud. You got to get your schedule covered. And I know in my son's mind, he's going, this is what my dad was telling me. <laughs> But I never piggybacked on it. And I never went back and said, I told you so. I was, you know, he came to me and he goes, I got scheduled the whole week. He was like really upset for me changing last minute and not letting anybody know. And I was like, oh, okay. And he, I was like, well, that's kind of a cool thing because actually now you get to make up maybe money that you wouldn't have made. And so he's like, he's like, yeah, but dad, I literally work it every single day now. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that was a, that was a pretty clever pull on your, on your manager's part. Kind of like that. But, um, Anyways, it, it's, it's cool to come from that position, I think, to come from the guide, uh, to come from the consultant, to create, like you said, the psychological safety and, uh, and give our children the opportunity. I also use Bark and uh, do highly recommend it. By the way, just a quick question on that one. Do you ever notice that one of the things that alerts you about uh, sex, violence, and um, whatever the other alerts are, that it's often Apple uh, news? Does yours show up like that? No, so no. But I have an iPhone. Does your son have an iPhone? Mm -hmm. For some reason, Apple news is always triggered. And I'm like, man, Apple, what are you guys putting out? Like every time I'm like going through the review, I'm like, Apple is one of the ones that's like falls into my severe categories. A lot of times Apple news. I'm like the news is full of the, some of the topics that is triggering you know, bark, which kind of cra cracks me up a little bit. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that, but it, it's so, it, the software is so sensitive that, you know, it, it detects like LMFAO as a right. profanity, right? Right, so right, like, right. Um, I was telling a friend of mine over the weekend, um, actually at my, my friend's book launch party, um, that I got like, bark is so sensitive and it just makes me laugh sometimes. Like I, I got this one, uh, alert and it was severe, right? It actually right. will pop up on your dashboard, yep. red, severe, yes. violence. I would right? check those first. Yeah. So like I saw severe violence weapon. I was like, and it was on my oldest son's thing. And I was like, oh my God, like what's going on? Is somebody at their school like shooting it up or like, yeah. is there a threat of some sort or whatever? I've never Nerf seen like, actually like 
a weapon, right? So I open up the thing. (laughs) It was a meme. It was a photo of the Swedish chef with a shotgun. And I freaking lost it, man. I was laughing so hard. I was like, this is... This is the reason I have bark because everyone and their brother knows that this is a joke and how funny it is. And I think the meme was like, like, don't make me angry, bork, 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 or whatever, like the Swedish chef. Right. And uh, I was laughing so hard. I said to my wife, I was like, bark just detected this as a severe alert weapon and violence. And I was like, this is great. But no, I, I would rather that software be too sensitive like that. Yep. Versus yep. not sensitive enough. It doesn't miss a beat, which I love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, awesome. And, and I think, yeah, I really think this has been a really great show, man. I appreciate you so much for yeah. uh, coming on. I think we'll have to do this again and, and uh, maybe do some cool collaboration in the future. You know, what's great is like you're serving dads on their marriage side and then just dads with their alliance. And, you know, what we're doing at Be Dadly is I think complimentary to you guys. Uh, we're really helping dads get better behavior from their children without the use of punishment, yelling, or bribery. Um, we kind of help them, helping them get out of the carrot and stick model. Um, and into, and I can tell you have a, a lot of background, uh, blame, shame, and pain, you know, using that language and understanding if we're using that in our consequences, uh, we're really just punishing our children and we're creating a, a, an environment where they don't feel psychologically safe. Like you said, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a huge deal when they're kids, but whenever they're adults, I'm sorry, young adults or, or teenagers, and they can't, they don't feel safe enough to come to you. Um, that's where the real risk is there. So um, I love what you're up to, man. Really just want to give you kudos. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for uh, being with us and giving us your time. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with you, man. My pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you've received some value from it, please share it with other dads and consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll see you in the next episode. Looking for support with your fatherhood journey? Go to BeDadly.com and take our Dadly Disposition quiz and learn helpful insights on how you can overcome power struggles with your kids. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.